Hello and welcome to the Insurance Age podcast. I'm Lawrence Eastham, Commissioning Editor at Insurance Age, and today I'm joined by our news editor, Ida Axling. How are you, Ida? I'm all right. Thank you, Lawrence. I know it's been another busy week of traffic on the website. Could you please run through the top five stories this week for us? Absolutely. So uh, just to say first that the first four stories are uh, all related to COVID-19. So the most read story this week was industry getting hammered over business interruption, says Biba. Then we had Lloyd's issues guidance to MGAs. And then we had brokers demand flexibility from insurers. In fourth place, insurers will need to carefully consider BI position, says Oliver Wyman. And in fourth place, we had something completely different. No, fifth place. We're at fifth place now. We had something completely different, and that is the news analysis. Aon creates world's biggest broker with Willis Towers Watson deal. Now, I know you spoke to quite a few brokers, um, Ida, when writing some of these stories this week. Uh, How are they finding the the ongoing coronavirus situation? Well, basically, if we look at the the top story of this week about business interruption, they're kind of feeling a bit like they're caught in the middle because uh, the government, as we know, said businesses with pandemic cover would be covered by their insurance policies. And as we all know by now, that is only true in very, very few cases. And so the brokers that I've spoken to all feel like they're having to be the bearer of bad news. And I can imagine that's not very fun. Mm. There's certainly been a lot of um, bad press about the insurance industry in some of the the national papers. Uh, Are Mm -hmm. brokers brokers worried about the impact on the reputation uh, of the insurance industry? They are. And I guess... One of the problems is that insurance didn't have the best reputation even before this all began. And now I think, I mean, it's it's not looking very good that the, the sector is, as you say, being heavily criticised for its response to coronavirus. And uh, it is it is a bit worrying to brokers. And they, they said that, well, one, one broker I spoke to said that there should be a message to the public that they most most business interruption policies never have and never will include cover for something like the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And he actually uh, said that perhaps the government should step in and help the sector with this because it seems to be difficult to to get a, a joint response from insurers. And uh, Biebe also said that the the industry is going to have to work together to improve the image of brokers following this. And uh, it's it's probably true. There's going to be there's going to be an impact on the sector for quite a long time, I think. And I, brokers will probably need to work very hard to restore the the reputation of the sector. As you mentioned, there's certainly a level of um, maybe perhaps public misunderstanding about the the insurance and the role of um, brokers and insurers. And I suppose that feeds back into into what you were saying about brokers feeling like they're caught in the middle. Um, what are what are brokers expecting from from their insurer partners? Well, basically, what they want now is clarity around what cover is available and what's going on and also flexibility because a lot of the brokers I spoke to said that they're trying so hard to do the best for their clients now the best they can to help their clients get through this and basically a lot of 
what they're what they're saying is that a lot of insurers have been quite inflexible and um so a lot of brokers warned that well if there are no businesses left because they can't afford to stay stay afloat then that's also going to impact the insurers because they won't get any premium so it's a bit of a a, a a vicious circle, I guess. But yeah, basically what they want is clarity and flexibility. And uh, one broker, well, several brokers actually wanted a special clarity around what's going on with unoccupied uh, properties with so many people working from home and being told by the government to work from home. A lot of office buildings are left left uh, just unoccupied. And apparently many uh, insurers have asked them to to go and look at these premises every seven days. But the broker says that is a non-essential travel and I don't want to ask my clients to do that. And so basically they're calling for flexibility. Mm. This certainly um, has put us all, I suppose, in a very difficult position and it's certainly not helped if... um, clients are receiving competing advice from from the government and um, their insurance partners. So uh, hopefully over time, the, these issues will will subside. And I suppose, as, as one broker mentioned, perhaps it's time for the government to, to do a bit more education around uh, the role of insurers and brokers in the sector. Yeah, perhaps it is. But uh, we, we wanted to talk as well about a story that you wrote about, uh, well, that you wrote, Lawrence, and it's about Lloyd's and some, some guidance they've issued to, to their MGAs. So uh, f- perhaps first you can tell me, what, what does this guidance from Lloyd's include? Yeah, so um, earlier this week, uh, as you mentioned, Lloyd's of London uh, mailed out a whole raft of operational guidance to its MGAs. There's a lot in there. It's um, available full, fully online on the Lloyd's website and also in a summarised form on Insurance Age. It, it really is very detailed. It goes from premium non-payment to binding authority contracts, admin requirements, claims resilience, and also um, financial audits as well. I suppose the main point for our readers is around um, premium non-payment. So Lloyd's have asked its MGAs to be a bit more flexible when it comes to cancelling policies over the non-payment of premiums. They They've recommended that when it comes to consumer and SME clients, that MGAs wait for a period up to 60 days before enacting those cancellation clauses. And when it comes to larger clients, uh, the marketplace has said that underwriters should have regard to suitability and fairness when applying a cancellation provision. So they've uh, tried to introduce a bit more flexibility. It's obviously only guidance and not a not a mandate, but um, it seems to be for, for they really recognise the, the fragile position that some of these smaller firms are in at the moment. Yeah, and I'm sure many of our brokers will say that's good news, that at least yeah. Lloyd's is trying to, to, to introduce more flexibility. But so a, a lot of firms are being audited throughout the year. And so how is remote working affecting the, the schedule there? Mm. Well, um, as I'm sure our readers will know, there's a, always a busy audit schedule going on all year on financial statements and uh, internal accounts. Um, the Lloyd's audit team shared its guidance as part of the mail out this week, and it advised that delegated authorities follow the re- recommendations of the national government in which they're based. Um, they did also warn against the, the automatic co- cancellation of booked audits. Um, instead, they are advocating for the increased use of technology to allow remote audits, including remote file reviews, remote access repositories, and uh, remote interviews to be conducted. 
Um, they also added that should a booked audit need to be postponed or cancelled, um, firms should offer alternative dates to the marketplace within reasonable timeframes. Um, there's a particular warning about, about rescheduling audits for Q3 and Q4 since that's the busiest season. Um, so again, Lloyd's trying to introduce a bit more flexibility for, for the difficult period that, that firms are, are experiencing at the moment. But there's, um, like I said, it's only a recommendation. They haven't laid down the law just yet. Okay, and well, we we wrote not long ago at all about how Lloyd's closed their uh, underwriting room in London. So with all of these uh, people working remotely, uh, how is that affecting the operation of the MGAs at Lloyd's? Well, Lloyd's has tried to ease some of the admin requirements on its MGAs. There's a, there's a few uh, recommendations that go into detail um, as part of the guidance. I suppose the main one when it comes to remote working is that um, remote worker application forms no longer need to be completed for cover holder staff who are working from home. The only uh, caveat to that is unless the location they're working from is a new trading location for the cover holder. Um, Going on to some of those um, more detailed changes to, to admin in relation to remote working that I mentioned, um, that for instance, one is that the lead managing agent on a binding authority uh, will now um, be responsible for renewal compliance due diligence in accordance with the DA code of conduct. So that's um, one person, the lead managing agent, as opposed to uh, a raft of people that the, uh, the requirement usually includes. So um, once again, as part of this guidance, they're trying to make business a little bit easier for, for MGAs at a time when they're struggling with all sorts of other things um, uh, regarding um, their operation. Um, so I suppose the main one, just to summarize, is the remote work application forms, which I'm sure um, a reduced admin burden will certainly be uh, music to the ears of MGAs. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that was all we had time for today. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Lawrence, for sharing your thoughts. Thank you, Ida. Bye. Bye.